So I say, Lord Jesus, let's clean out the stalls. Hallelujah. I always remember the story. I think I shared it one time here that I believe it was in New York City or, or one of the large cities that all of a sudden revival hit and prostitutes started getting saved and coming right off the street into church. And they were coming into church with see-through blouses on. And they were coming right down front. <laughs> it probably wouldn't bother you guys too much, but it sure would bother me. But so how many know what happened? Well, the women of the church had to jump in and the elder women had to teach the younger women how to be chaste and virtuous because they didn't know. But that's what happens when revival hits. All sorts of crazy things start going on. How many want crazy? I want crazy. Oh, Lord, see, then the Lord looked at that and said, okay. <laughs> I... I I might have shared this years ago. Do you remember Debbie? Debbie? Just the most wonderful thing. She, she started coming to church, and she was an alcoholic. She was drunk as a skunk every Sunday. Every Wednesday night she'd come. Every Sunday I'd be preaching, and I'd watch her. I'd watch her in the back row. She'd be mumbling, and then I'd, I'd watch her slowly start listing to the left. And then about midway she was this far. And then by the time the sermon was done, she was gone. She Every Sunday she came and did that, every Sunday. And, and the women of the church would take her, they'd bring her home, they'd give her something to eat, they'd change her clothes, put her to bed, they'd drive her around. And, you know, after just a couple years, all of a sudden the Holy Ghost got a hold of her. She accepted Christ. The alcohol was gone. Met a nice man, got married, had a baby. <laughs> And as far as I know, is still serving the Lord today. So hallelujah. So amen. That's the way it happens. That's the way it happens. Hallelujah. All right. Amen. Take your Bibles. Open them to Philippians. We have just a few thoughts here today from this wonderful book again. We're continuing on with our thoughts in Philippians, the fourth chapter. And uh, down in verse 6, last week we talked about being anxious for nothing, but Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing but in, in, uh, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So we're continuing these thoughts about being anxious for nothing, and it flows again from all the previous thoughts that he started with in these, in these previous verses. Walking in unity, uh, filling our minds with rejoicing, Boy, is that hard to do in today's world. Having the mind of Christ, thinking like Jesus would think. And we're going to see that down in verse 8 when we get to it, because that's very important. Living calm moderation, knowing that no matter what I face, the Lord is at hand. He said, you, you know what I like about that? He doesn't say Jesus is at hand, not the Savior. He says the Lord is at hand. And of course, we have a Savior, and his name is Jesus. But I'm glad that he is also our Lord, and that means that all of his righteousness, all of his strength, all of his judgment, all of his reign and his sovereign control is in my life right now. Not just Savior, but Lord. So that not one hair goes unnoticed, not one sparrow falls, not one lily goes naked, right? He's in control. So that in itself gives me peace. I can rest because I know, God, you're in control. You're taking care of this. So that's our goal today is to move into his presence, to move into his peace. And I'm going to use an analogy. On the back of your bulletin, you see it. 
this is a metaphor or an analogy. I want to use the analogy of a car or a vehicle to try to explain where our peace comes from and, and how we get there. So we're going to see that prayer is the vehicle that moves us into peace. That's how we get to peace. Faith is the fuel of the vehicle. We have to fill that vehicle with something. And the ignition switch that you start it all is Thanksgiving. That's how it all starts. And the result is a nice journey with Jesus. I want a nice journey with Jesus. I, don't, I like to cruise down the highway. I don't want to keep stopping all the time <laughs> and messing up the journey. I want a nice, smooth journey with Jesus. So let's look at this uh, very carefully here in, these, in this last part of this verse. First of all, the vehicle that moves, moves us into peace, by prayer and supplication, he says, let your requests be made known to God. That is literally praying. He says it in Ephesians 6 chapter, and it literally is this, praying always with all types of prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So it's all types of prayer or prayer that is appropriate for each situation. The, the word for prayer and supplication here are two different words. Prayer means literally, the root word of prayer is oikso, it, it is to make a wish. In other words, it's a strong desire in our hearts. We make a wish towards something. The other word, desis, supplication, is asking out of urgent need. So it's a pointed request. The one is a wish and a desire. The other one is a pointed request. Prayer is the general converse of the soul with God. That's what Jesus did when he went all night and prayed on the mountain. I don't think he was up on the mountain for eight hours throwing requests at God. It was communion, right? It was, it was coming into one mind, one heart with the Father, praying without ceasing. When the word says pray without ceasing, I don't think it means, Paul doesn't mean that we're supposed to like ask 44,000 questions every 10 hours. It's, it's communion with him. It's driving down the highway, worshiping. It's just being in his presence, sharing that presence. Supplication is different. It is direct petitioning. Prayer is worship and communion. Supplication is more akin to intercessory prayer, targeting specific needs, seeking a certain thing when the Holy Spirit urges us. But here's the point of this, this first point. Notice, Paul does not say, be anxious for nothing because as soon as you pray, the answer will come. Doesn't say that. He does not say, peace comes with the act of praying. Doesn't say that. He doesn't say, as soon as you ask, you'll immediately feel peace. Doesn't say that. Doesn't say that. He says, you pray. You say, look at it this way. Wouldn't it be wonderful if every prayer was immediately answered? No! You know why? Because I pray a lot of dumb prayers. <laughs> I know when you said amen, you meant that, yes, it would be nice that as soon as you prayed, the sick person was healed. Yes, that's great. We, we, we believe that. But I pray a lot... And, and that's why this first desire, the wish, the desire of prayer is really, it can be unfiltered wishes that could be really bad. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit during these times of communion with him, when he filters out those wishes and says, no, this is, this is the desire. This is where I want you to head. And because sometimes our prayers are selfish. It's like the, it's like the, uh, the, the blonde, the brunette. <laughs> And the redhead that were on, stranded on an island. And a genie came. And <laughs> you know who's going to bear the brunt of this joke. 
a, they found, a, they found a, a, a lamp and they rubbed it and a genie came out and, and he said, I have three wishes, but since there's three of you, I'll, I'll each give you one wish. And so the brunette said, boy, I just, I really miss my husband. I just, I just want to be with him. And boom, poof, she was back with the husband. And, and, the, and the redhead said, well, I really wish my, I could be with my wife, I mean, my husband and my children. I just, I miss them so bad. And the genie said, poof. As soon as he said that, all of a sudden, the blonde-haired woman started to cry. And he said, what's the matter? And she says, I really miss my friends. I wish they were here. Sometimes our prayers are selfish, right? They're selfish. Uh, remember Mark, the ninth chapter, uh, when the disciples couldn't cast out a, a, a deaf and dumb spirit from a little, a little child. And they came to Jesus and asked why. And Jesus said, this kind, which is interesting, you could study that out for yourself, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. Now, does that mean... We need to pray and fast before we try. Well, sometimes it could. Maybe there's an event that's coming in your life and you want to really seek the Lord, so you're praying and fast. It could mean that. But I think more than that, I believe it means that we will face things that require a lifestyle of prayer and fasting and worship and obedience to the word so that you're ready when that demon comes because your lifestyle is already a lifestyle of worship and communion and prayer. So back to the point. The act of prayer may not bring the peace that you want immediately. And here's why. Because you have to have fuel in this vehicle. And the fuel is faith. Hmm. Peace does not come by prayer. Peace comes by believing. Without believing, there can be no supplication. He that comes to God must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hmm. What's the word say in James? And the prayer will save the sick. Now, what's it say? Anybody know? Prayer of faith will save the sick. Faith is the element. It's the key. So let's, 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 let's look at it this way. Uh, you go out in the morning, you get to go to work, and you get in your car, and all of a sudden you realize you're out of gas. The vehicle has no, no fuel. The vehicle is in proper order. Everything's working fine. There's just no gas in it. Well, so you think, well, I can't get to the gas station, so I'll go inside. I'll get a gallon of water and put it in. Well, now you've got a double problem. Now you're going to be sitting at the garage <laughs> waiting for them to, <laughs> to take care of your car. You could try alcohol, maybe, some rubbing alcohol, some denatured alcohol. It might, it might fire up. It might go a little bit, but it's probably not, it wasn't built for that. It's probably not going to go very far. You need the right kind of fuel to run the engine. Prayer without faith is just empty words. It's just empty words. And you need the right kind of fuel in that prayer. Begging will not run prayer. Moaning won't run it. Crying won't run it. Happy thoughts won't run it. Worship won't do it. None of those things will do it. Prayer runs on faith. Hmm. Remember the wonderful incident when Jesus cursed the fig tree and it withered and the next morning they came by and there was no fruit and it was withered and the disciples said, wow, look at that, Jesus. You cursed that fig tree and it's blah, 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 blah. And he said... 
all things whatsoever you ask in prayer, you shall receive. Mm. No. All things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Ooh. Faith. He did not say just ask and receive. He said, if you're going to ask, you got to believe. I submit to you that peace does not come because of the vehicle of prayer. Peace comes because of the fuel of faith. I have faith. I have peace as I enter into prayer. Let me divert a, divert a little bit again. For some of you, uh, Pastor David brought up the old school here and all that because he is old, but he brought up the old school. <laughs> How many of you remember? See if you could repeat this with me. See if you could, see if you could uh, finish this for me. It's not the long prayer, nor the, anybody remember? Loud prayer, but it's the prayer of faith. Catherine Coleman, I think, used to say that every Sunday. I think my dad said it all the time. It's not the long prayer. It's not the loud prayer. It's the prayer of faith. Without a joyful, resting, abiding, believing, word-filled trust in the power of Jesus, you can spew a thousand words out of your mouth and they will fall flat on the floor. Conversely, if your heart is filled with his joy and his faith, if your mind is filled with his word, there are many times all you have to do is say it one time. As a matter of fact, and I know Jesus is our ultimate example, and I know none of us can be like Jesus. We try. That's our goal. But did you ever look through, just go through scripture and see how long his prayers were for people. Be loosed. Get up. Be healed right? That's all it was. He, you, almost never did he come up to somebody. I don't even know if he did. Did he come up to somebody and say, okay, Father, and Father we're going to go to one example with Lazarus. Uh, uh, in my name, <laughs> oh, Lord, we just command and we ask. And, 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 and let, no. He, he was so filled with faith itself, and that's our example. He just went and looked at it and said it. Not the long prayer, not the loud prayer. I, I can have peace not because I pray. I can have peace because I have faith in the God who answers prayer. And when you pray, Jesus said, remember? Do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. Sometimes I wonder if when we're praying, we think, you know, there's a quota of 910 words. And as soon as I reach 911, God will hear me. And God is up in heaven and he's going, wow, they're really praying hard. Boy, they got a lot of words. Man, they went to the dictionary. <laughs> they figured out a whole bunch of other words. I am so impressed that they said that many words to me that I'm going to answer their prayer. Mm -mm. Nope. He says, don't think that they'll be heard because of their many words. And then the last line is so wonderful, isn't it? For your father knows the things you have need of even before you ask. Can that possibly give us any more power in our prayer life? So when the bad news comes, I can say, Lord, 
I know that you know this is already happening and the answer is already on the way, so I'm just going to agree with you for whatever you're going to do in this situation because you know it's happening. Therefore, I can have peace with him in that way. My heavenly Father already knows every problem I have. He knows the sickness I endure. He knows the pain I suffer. He knows the heartache I have. He knows the loss I'm going to face. He knows the dis-ease that is going to attack me. He knows the failure that I'm going to endure. Therefore, I can have peace with him to speak to him. It's not my words it's because of his faith that he has placed in my heart so that's how the fuel works in us then the vehicle starts moving because we have the fuel of faith in us and that gives us peace but then there's a there's a third thing that happens when you go out to your car you get in it you stick that key in there and we find out that the ignition switch that turns the engine over is thanksgiving that's what starts the whole thing my my old truck still has a key you know, like a key with a long silver thing that sticks out. You stick it in the thing and you turn the key. Well, our, our, our Volkswagen doesn't. It has the push start with the fob, right? And, and I, I still, I don't drive that car a lot, so I still get utterly confused all the time. Pull ups to a stop, stop light, right? The engine goes off. And every time it cuts off, I go, wait a minute, what happened? Oh, no. And then... And then all of a sudden, if, it's, if you're parked too long or if you put it into park or you do something wrong, all of a sudden, now you've got to start pressing on this and pushing that. Or, or when, she, when she uses the start engine from the living room, right? Starts the car. When you go sit down in the car, the way you start it is you push the ignition again. Why do you push the ignition when the car's already running? You can't do that that's the way you do it. So there are times I sit at a red light and I look like I'm having a seizure. <laughs> press, no, press, no, push, no, read it, no, press it, no, push it. <laughs> you know, I said all that, say this, Thanksgiving is not complex, it's easy, you just worship Jesus. You thank him. You don't complain about all the bad things, right? Because we could forever. We're going to get to that next week probably. But we thank him for all the blessings in our lives. We fill our hearts with thanksgiving. I've told you before, I'll only give you a Greek word when you know what the word is. And the Greek word for thanksgiving here is Eucharist. Eucharisto. It's what we're going to celebrate next Sunday. It's the Eucharist. It's grateful worship. It's adoration. It's looking to him every day and saying, oh, Jesus, I thank you so much for my salvation. I thank you so much for my two eyes. I thank you for my one eye. I thank you I have no eyes. I thank you for my hair, my hands, my feet. I thank you. I thank you, Father God, for all you've done in my life. And I'm going to continue to fill my heart with thanksgiving and not pay attention to the rest. It's real simple. You don't need a PhD for it. It's real simple. The Eucharist. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me. Wow. Well, here's the example, though. If you want the example... Jesus, John 11th chapter, standing in front of the tomb of Lazarus, dead four days, right? He stinketh, his sister said. You want to know how to pray? You want to know how to pray? <laughs> Here's the answer. It's learn from somebody who knows how to do it, a guy named Jesus. Here's how you pray in a horrible situation that's filled with death and heartache and despair and loss. Here's how you pray. You stand in front of that thing, you lift up your eyes, and you say, 
Father, I thank you that you have already heard me. And I know that you always hear me. you imagine that's a that's a video replay in heaven I gotta see it I gotta see Jesus stand in front of that empty tomb with an aroma of death coming out and the Pharisees and the Sadducees standing all around and the worship and the, and the mourners standing everywhere and everybody crying and he stops in the middle and he says I thank you father that you have already heard what I'm about to say to you oh my that's a key that starts the ignition of the engine of faith that gets you rolling. That's how you start it. Oh my goodness. You crank the engine with your thanksgiving. You turn the key, you shout the praise, knowing that he's already heard it, he's already in the situation, he's already there, he's not surprised, he's already there. How about this one? You know it, Jehoshaphat's choir. They rose up early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said to them, Hear me, Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. They were surrounded by the Moabites, the Hittites, the Perez, every other ite there could be. They were about to be destroyed. And he says, You will be established. Can I paraphrase it for you? Israel, fill your gas tanks now with faith, because God's going to do something. What's he going to do, Jehoshaphat? Uh, I don't know, but I do know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell the army to go sit down, and I'm going to take the choir, and I'm going to send the choir out in their robes, and I'm going to send them out to worship the Lord. You say, well, what did they say? They didn't go out and say, we curse you, O foul enemy. They didn't go out and say, we command you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. They didn't go out. They looked at the enemies. They looked at the devil, and they said, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love and mercy endures forever. That was the prayer. <laughs> Talk about flipping a switch. Talk about putting a key into the ignition. In the midst of death, you stand there and say, I thank you, Father, that you're the God of mercy and love and joy and peace forever and ever and ever. And you hear me now. You see what's happening. You know what's going on. And I'm going to worship you and praise you. And when they began to sing, the Lord set an ambushment against the enemy. And I love the way the word puts this. They all helped to destroy each other. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> you, you could try to fight the devil all you want. You may win a battle here and there, but you put it in God's hands. He's going to make them all fight each other and kill each other. Devils will come attacking you in every different direction. They'll look like the three stooges tripping and falling over each other and breaking each other in half. And all you have to do is stand there like Jesus. Oh, this is a word for somebody in front of the tomb and just keep on praising until the dead body comes out. When I turn that ignition switch of worship on, all heaven breaks loose. <laughs> the Father hears my shout, and every devil starts to run. Every angel stands in attention, ready with their swords. Every spirit awakens around the universe when I fill my heart with thanksgiving. 
because they know the ignition switch just got turned on, that faith is moving and the fuel is firing up and that engine, that vehicle of prayer and supplication is about to take off down the road like a NASCAR car. You say, well, what's the result? What's the result? The result is a guarded journey. He says, the peace that passes understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, and remember, remember where Paul was, where he was writing this. He was under guard. He was in captivity. He was at, at a little room in Rome. And every day he had a guard posted at his house in Ephesians 6. That's why he wrote the armor of the Lord, because he stood there, sat there all day long looking at this Roman soldier. He's probably looking at the Roman soldier again. And I believe that what he said when he was looking at this, he said, you know what? My mind is guarded right now. Just like this guard is guarding me and not letting me out or anyone in, when I worship God, he guards my mind. He puts a guard on my brain. And I could begin to rest under that guard. That's how guard, I'm guarded. I am, when we worship him, we, got, we get, we enter, and I think one of the best things we can get is under house arrest with Jesus. Under house arrest, where we can't move without him. We can't see without him. We can't feel without him. We are under house arrest. We can't buy something without him. We can't read something without him. Everything that we do is guarded by him. When it's that way, there's a lot of peace. I am resting in a state of well-being. I am free from anxiety. I'm safe from harm. I'm delivered from enemies. I have a guarded journey. Hallelujah. I am on Route 66 in the sunshine, baby. <laughs> I'm cruising along, enjoying the ride, because it's just me and Jesus. Where are we going today, Jesus? Oh, I'll let you know when we get there. Hey, hallelujah, then let's go. Where I'm going, I don't know what I'm doing. But all I know is it's guarded and I'm following him. You say, well, what's the end of the journey then? Well, Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, that's pretty good. Incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away. But here's the kicker. It is reserved for you in heaven who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I don't know about you folks, but I'm on a journey. I want my gas tank to be filled with faith in the word of God. I want my gas tank to be filled with his veracity, his truth, his peace, his love, his joy, his promise. I want it to be filled with that. And as I'm on this journey, I want to take that ignition switch, turn it on with praise and thanksgiving every day. Let my requests be made known to him through worship and praise. And I know that when I do that, I am kept by his power to an incarnation corruptible, undefiled, glorious inheritance that is waiting for me. And the only way I'm going to get there, you know as well as I do, every time we try to drive the car ourselves, it ain't nothing but detours. We're off the freeway again. We're down a dark road. Where in the world are we? Oh, Lord, don't worry, I'll take over. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. We're down a dead-end alley. 
and you can't even turn the car around because it's too narrow and your gas tank is on empty and it's getting dark. But when I stay ignited by his spirit and his worship and his thanksgiving and his faith, I cruise down that highway in his sunshine and he brings me right to where, and when he tells me it's time to get off, I get off. And maybe that time when I get off, it's time for me to go home and be with him. Hallelujah. I'll go. Praise his name. We follow him. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you so much that you are the author and finisher of our faith. So that when I pray, I know that it is already finished. I know the outcome. The outcome is already in your hand. So when I pray, I can pray with faith. I can pray with trust. I can pray with joy. Because I know the physical healing's on the way, the redemption's on the way, the provision's on the way. And all I have to do is just thank you every day in front of every dead thing around me. Because I know in your time, you will resurrect it. And I can walk in that fullness and that rest in you. So help us to have that faith. Help us to have that faith. Help us to wake up every morning and say, Father, I believe. I believe. And therefore, I can make this request. I can come boldly into the throne room of grace to find mercy and help in a time of need because I believe that your answer is on the way. I thank you for it, Father. Make us that people of faith. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Stand to your feet together. Do you know one of the saddest things, I think I've said this before, one of the saddest things about our Muslim friends, they pray five times a day, they compete, they complete the pillars of Islam, they do all that, and they will tell you, they will not know if Allah accepts them until they get before him. I don't want that kind of, I don't want that, folks. I'm glad that I know already he has accepted me as his beloved. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Amen. One of the devotionals that I did this past week talked about there's two kinds of faith, active faith and passive faith. And uh, the, the, the author of the devotional said, we do not send soldiers out to do passive duty. We, Lord help us, we are in a war and we are not to have passive faith. We are called to active duty, to have active faith. And thank goodness that when we're called to battle, that the battle belongs to the Lord. And all we have to do is just agree with him. Agree with him in faith. Agree with him in faith. Agree with him in faith. Active faith. Everything that pastor had said. I had already learned about this week. <laughs> Amen. Amen. How many agree? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Turn around. Bless somebody. Spread some of that faith around in Jesus' name.